wrestling fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything in between. It is time to go to war and be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the revolution. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. What's going on, guys? It is I, the one and only Quiet Riot himself, Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Greetings, one and all. This is your Prime Minister speaking, your favorite Canadian Mr. Fretz. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the and Great from the Game Changer Podcast. If you're looking for a network that keeps wrestling real, then you've come to the right place because you're listening to you are listening. To you are listening to you are listening. Then you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening to what is going on, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Now enjoy the show. Are you ready? From the Gift of Podcast Studios, it's The Delight Show, and here's your host, Matt Chapel. Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. This is the second try at the intro. Thank you. Welcome to The Delight Show. I am your host, the Monday Night Delight Man's Chapel. It's a pleasure to be here with you tonight. Let's talk about wrestling. We're going to talk about AEW Dynamite Saturday night. Um, the return to form of Turner Wrestling on Saturday nights. We'll talk about how that went. We'll talk about it. the first half of the Impact Primetime premiere on Spike from 2006. And I bring the second part of my indictment of AEW, if you will. Because we always kill the things we love. Let's start with AEW Dynamite from Saturday, not September yet. I'm jumping ahead to September. Saturday, August 22nd, 2020, opened up with FTR and Private Party in the ring, ready to go. They have a match. Um, Private Party and the Young Bucks had a fantastic match in the tag team tournament. Um, But this match here was not as good as that. Does that mean that FTR is a worse team than the Bucks? No, I don't think so. What I think it means is that FTR... FTR doesn't have as much practice with indie guys as uh, the Bucks have had in recent years. Let's put it that way. The Private Party is not terrible, but there are times you can see all the wheels turning in their head. They are, uh, they are doing their best to get the match going. But there are times where they have to, they, it, it's only momentary, but they stop, think about it, and then do the thing they need to do. FTR doesn't have to do that. The Bucks don't have to do that. And so you, you lose a little something there. Um, FTR did eventually win when they when uh, both members hit the Goodnight Express on, I believe, Isaiah Cassidy? Maybe Mark Quinn. I, again, Private Party 1, Private Party 2. I don't know anyone's name in this match. I know that there is Mark Quinn, Isaiah Casty, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler. I think that's his name. I don't know what, any of these men. I can tell which ones are FTR and which ones are Private Party, but that's as specific as I get. Uh, the match was fine. Uh, let's see. Moxley cut a promo. I don't remember 
what he said, except that he's going to kill MJF. MJF cut a promo with his whole campaign staff. He's wearing the neck brace. Um, he's going to sue John Moxley, try to get the paradigm shift banned from uh, from the match. And all he has to do is hit the Death Rider instead. Easy peasy. Um, we'll get there. Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Dustin Rose, and QT Marshall versus The Butcher, The Blade, Ray Phoenix, and Pentagon. This match was fine. The good guys won. The important part came after the match when Eddie Kingston comes out and, and he talks to all four guys, like their old buddies, like, listen, we can bring something to this company, but we have to stick together. We have to roll together. And he brought them in for a five-person hug. That was really good. And then he looks up the camera and he winks. And I'm thinking, what the hell is Eddie Kingston planning? Because clearly Eddie Kingston's planning something. What a jackass he is. I can't wait to see where this goes. Um, I'm all for stables. I'm all for there being groups. You know, Because you know, we got the, the elite which is kind of breaking down at the moment because Cody, we'll get to, gets destroyed in this show. Um, Kenny is becoming the sweeper. Hangman drinks, and the Bucks are the Bucks. Um, also, Hangman's kind of hanging around with FDR quite a bit. Wonder where that's going. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, you know, you've got the Dark Order, which is Brody Lee and Colt Cabana and a bunch of jobbers. Um... I'm hoping we get some decent stables built up here. And we it looks like we are. Um, it, could, it could make some really interesting wrestling. Uh, Britt Baker tried to recruit Penelope Ford to her cause of fighting Swole next week. Next week? Or is that all out? Doesn't matter. Um, she, she is building an army of, of women to fight Swole. Uh, Orange Cassidy came out for his promo where he didn't. There is a god dang woodpecker on the side of my house. I don't know. Can y'all hear that? No, probably not. And it stopped, of course. This is what happens when you live out in the middle of god dang nowhere like I do. I wish I lived in a place where I didn't have to worry about huge log trucks flying by or or woodpeckers on the side of my freaking studio, man. Uh, but at the same time, I've lived in cities. I've lived in larger cities. And I don't. I don't care for that either. Uh, maybe I'm just an unhappy person by nature. I didn't really mean for this to get introspective, but the woodpecker uh, set me off. Where was I? Orange Cassidy came out to set a promo, and he didn't say a word because Chris Jericho came out and said, You are orange juice. I am a little bit of the bubbly. Why don't we have a mimosa mayhem match? A match where you can win by pinfall or submission. But they're not going to win by pinfall or submission. They're going to win by the third stipulation, tossing your opponent into an 80-gallon vat of mimosa. This is a hog pin match. This is a, I mean, it's, it's, it's mimosa, sure. But this is a hog pin match, and I am here for it. These two are going to do some great things. I think Orange Cassidy will win because he does not have to pin Chris Jericho a second time. He just has to backdrop him. Or, Orange Cassidy style, slightly move to the side and let Jericho run himself into a huge tub of mimosas. I cannot wait. They did beat down uh, Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends again at the end of this, but that, that's a thing that happens. I can't wait for Mimosa Mayhem. Um, because it's a comedy match. And they under okay. Let, let me break this down. Why I I think the Mimosa Mayhem match would be great, and things like the Horror Show Swamp match is not so good. 
The horror show swamp match was completely played seriously the whole time. Including the match where Braun Strowman got beat with a shovel, bit by a rattlesnake, and then drowned. And then showed up again on SmackDown just with a haircut. The Mimosa Mayhem match will be played up as a joke from now until All Out. And then Jericho and Cassidy will come in and put in the work, make it a great match, but it'll still be a comedy match with guys nearly falling into a vat of mimosa. I would imagine everybody, and by everybody I mean Santana, Ortiz, Hager, Guevara, Jericho, Trent Beretta, and Chuck Taylor will go into this vat of orange juice, except for Orange Cassidy because he'll be the winner. We're going to get... Seven, eight guys in orange juice because it's a funny, funny thing, but it'll be good wrestling and they won't take it that seriously. This won't be the main event. This won't, I mean, it'll be one of the featured matches because it's got Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy, but it's not going to be considered the most important match. That'll be Mox and MJF, or that'll be Brody Lee and somebody. Probably not Brody Lee and somebody. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, this, this is how you do a stupid stipulation match properly. And I love it. I'm all for it. The Elite versus the Dark Order. I don't remember anything about this match. Except at the end, the Bucks hit the Indie Taker on Alan Angels. Uh, and then Omega put him up and hit the one-winged angel. And, and as he did that, it struck me. Does he hit the one-winged angel a lot in AEW? Maybe I'm forgetting. Maybe he does. But I, I it struck me as... Odd. Then he just annihilates five Allen Angels and the Bucks pull him off the Ducks and they pull him out of there. Kenny Omega is becoming the cleaner heel Kenny Omega and, and it's going to be fantastic. Um, I want, if I'm fancy booking, I want Mox to beat MJF and I think he will. And then I want to feud into full gear Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, and maybe, just maybe, that's where you put the title on Kenny Omega, and then he runs his company until next all out. I can get down for that. That sounds like a good a good plan. Um, FTR and Tully Blanchard backstage talking about why are y'all with Tully? He's like, well, he called us out, said we're not the champs, and he's gonna help us get to be the champs. Hangman comes in and says, What the hell are y'all doing? And y'all attacked the the Rock and Roll Express last week. He's like, Yeah, they turned their back on, they disrespected us. We want to be the champions. You are the champions. We're going to have this great match. And then when we're all done, we're going to be buds again. Right? And they have a drink. And this spells bad news for somebody. I don't know where this match with Hangman and Kenny is going to go. Somehow, it's, I guess technically they're baby faces right now. They're going to turn heel without turning FTR face. It's going to be a turn without a double turn. <clears throat> they're going to... I don't know. It's going to be... Uh, it's gonna be a fun time. Regard whatever happens, I, I'm I think it's gonna be great. <clears throat> Darby Allen and Will Hobbs. I would have sworn his name was Will Power, um, because that's the only thing that was on his trunks. Uh, it was a squash match. He beat him with a coffin drop in about three minutes. Taz gets on the promo, says that uh, that there's a new member of. Team Taz, it's Darby Starks. Darby Allen, or Ricky Starks comes out dressed like Darby Allen. He and Brian Cage beat him down and leave him laying. It's it's getting to be TNA levels of beatdowns here. Um, come back from commercial. Speaking of beatdowns, Matt Hardy is killing Sammy Guevara. Does not hit him with the chair, although he wants to. Thunder Rosa is coming to uh, 
face Hikaru Ishida at All Out. I got. I, it's going to be something to see. It's going to be a good match. But you couldn't build someone up from this company to take on Shida. And it was what we talked about last week. It would be so much better to build up one of your own people. And yes, you've had this tournament going on. And yes, you may not want to do Nyla Rose and Sheeta again. And yes, Britt Baker is injured. But I looked at that whole list of people from the tournament. No, you don't want Ariane Andrews. But, you know, you can bring in people. You, not bring in people. That's what you're doing with Thunder Rosa. But you have all these people in the tag tournament. Why can't we get Eva Lee's and Sheeta? Why couldn't we get Mel and Sheeta? Another Penelope Ford and Sheeta. But we we gotta have we gotta have Thunder Rosa come in, and is it title for title? Is Sheeta gonna become the NWA World's Women's Champion? I don't think so. Um, we'll see how it goes. It should be a great match. I just wish they build up their own for it. And speaking of their own women, AEW Tag Team Cup Finals: Evilise Diamante versus the Nightmare Sisters with the Natural Nightmares, uh, which is of course Brandy Alley with QT and uh, and Dustin. Hoof! This match was probably the worst dynamite match I've seen that went more than a minute. This was not a very good match. Um, Evilise can work, and Ali can be carried, and then Diamante and Brandy were there, and ugh, uh, luckily the right person won. When uh, when Evilise took out QT, who tried to distract, then Diamante hit a cutter on Ali, um, and Pinder. And great, Medusa presented the medals. They they had their flags. Jesus, uh, this it would have been better to have. I believe about the teams in this tournament. You didn't really put together a good team, except maybe Penelope Ford and Mel. That was a good team. Yeah, that should have been the winners. Uh, but no, this. This was no good. This was no good right here. Uh, TNA, TNT Championship match, Brody Lee versus Cody. This redeemed that shit show that happened before it. Um, you guys remember Brock Lesnar versus John Cena at SummerSlam 2014? 16. Four, 14. 2014. You remember what happened there where Brock Lesnar destroyed John Cena for 15 minutes and then took the title? Same thing happened here. Cody hit a few strikes in the very beginning, and then Brody Lee kicked his head off over the barricade and massacred this man for 12 minutes. Left him dead on the ground. A couple different power bombs, and then a discus clothesline that would have made John Bradshaw Layfield stand up and and cheer. I mean, my God! And then Brody Lee just pins him, takes the title. Brody Lee's your TNT champion. Good job. And then the Dark Order comes out and they kill Cody. They kill QT. They kill Dustin. Brandy comes out and she throws herself on top of Cody, trying to thinking that Brody Lee will not hit me. I am a woman and we're on national TV. But she forgets the Dark Order's got a woman now. Anna Jay comes out and locks in this beautiful joke. Best thing I've seen Anna Jay do, period. And just chokes Brandy in unconsciousness. Cody gets to his feet. Brody Lee hits him with a bag of something and he goes down dead. And then Brody Lee dumps out the bag and it's the chunks of the unfinished TNT title. This was such a good closing angle. I am all in 
for for Brody Lee as your champion now. I want him just killing dudes. You don't have Mox on the show every week because he's the world champion and he's an attraction. He should be. But you can have Brody Lee on the on the show every week, the menacing champion heel. He does not have to win every week. He doesn't have to wrestle every week. But this made Brody Lee and the Dark Order into something legitimate, which they have not been. Yes, it's still Brody Lee and Cole Cabana and a bunch of jobbers. Oh, Cole Cabana wasn't there. That's interesting. That is interesting. We're going to get to that in the next couple of weeks, I imagine. But I enjoyed the end of this show. So good job to AW finishing up strong after a not so great women's tag match. However, we have to talk about. You know, last week I talked about the discrepancy between men and women in AEW. How over four weeks there were 202 men's. Uh, 202 featured men in segments or matches, and something like 23 women. Well, someone pointed out to me that I should also do this count for white people versus people of color because that is another promise that AEW made to be more inclusive when they came when they came to pass. Well, I counted that, and it's better, but it's not much better. Over four weeks, three uh, the three previous weeks and this new one that I watched this week, there were 180 segments or matches. Well, again, that's misleading. There were 180 featured performers in segments or matches that were white and 37 that were people of color. Which tells me that though they promised it to begin with, they absolutely are not delivering on that promise. AEW had a chance to do something different. And at this point, they are being every wrestling company ever. They are straight. They are white. They are male. And that that is, that is not... Uh, I mean, is the wrestling good? Yeah, the wrestling's good. But are there not talented women, talented people of color that they could bring in and have just as good wrestling? Of course there are. So what is AEW doing? Why is AEW... In the state it's in. Well, because they are falling into the trap that every wrestling company has fallen into in history. Every show features the main guys, the guys who run the company, Cody, the Bucks, Kenny, Hangman, and their buddies, FTR. Or their big heels, the Dark Order. We aren't getting just a whole lot of variety. Week to week, we see the same guys. Yes, Cody wrestles a new indie guy or a new lower card guy every week. Very good. Way to go, guy. But that's one. The Bucks are in 30-minute matches every week. Kenny and Hangman are featured in segments over and over again. FTR has been the focal point of the show. And that's fine. But you cannot forget to include your other wrestlers or build them up. Or you're going to fall into the WCW trap of... At some point, some of these guys are going to retire or go to another company, and you're going to be screwed with no viable champions. Yes, WCW made the best out of having Booker T and Scott Steiner left behind when Hogan, Luger, and Sting left. But are you really going to try and bank that here? You're built, you know, you got Mox and Jericho right now, but in a couple of years, or in five or six years, are you going to be able to build off of Jungle Boy and Trent Beretta being your big feud for your world title going into All Out, or not? 
because you got to think about that now. You could make something out of both those guys. I'm not. I'm not discounting either one of those guys as main eventers. But right now, if you if they had to headline all out, I'm not buying all out. Scorpio Sky last week had the chance to be the TNT title uh, champion. Great. I think he's the first black man since Sonny Kiss. And again, my apologies, Sonny Kiss. I believe I'm misgendering you, and I apologize. But the first black person since Sonny Kiss to have a chance at that title. And I think those were the only two the whole time that had a chance at that title. It's just something we need to do, something we need to work on. Um, and I wouldn't, and I've always had this policy, don't bitch about something unless you've got some way to fix it. Next week, the last part of this series, I guess, I will deliver a plan that would fix the problems in AEW with the women and the people of color. However, I don't know that Cody's ever going to hear it because I'm some nobody in a glassed-in room here in the middle of Kentucky. Um, but you never know. If you like it, maybe you hear it, maybe you share it. We'll, we'll talk about it then. But... That being said, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more of The Delight Show. Do you guys like the randomness of just random questions as well as random jokes that only one person would get? I know I do. Do you like random random video game and Simpsons references that only one person would get? I know I do. <laughs> hey, I'm Nate. I'm Fretz. And listening into the Game Changer podcast is probably your cup of tea where we talk about things wrestling. And some things not wrestling. Wait, I thought it was only purely wrestling. Dude, you know me. I often break out in random references. We talked about this. I do, I did not agree to talk about this. What are you yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about? Yes, we, you yes, know, we you did do this do. every single time and every single uh, time. Damn it, we only got 15 more seconds. Uh, uh, oh, be sure to listen in to our episodes every single week on Wrestle Attic Radio. The cure for the common wrestling podcast. Or not so much. But I'm an American. Hey, when I was in the library business, we called this live reads because this is not a recorded commercial. This is me taking 30 seconds to talk to you about something I want you to know. Um, the Rant Foundation. The Rant Foundation uh, is, of course, Rant with Ant, Phil, and Issa. They've come back. They're doing the show again. Um, bigger, better than they did it before. And I'm thrilled. Um, they came back last night. You can go to at Rant Foundation on Twitter, I believe. Uh, or you can just Google Rant Foundation and you will find their show. Um, I'm all I'm retweeting the leaks on at MN underscore delight right now. You can see what's going on there. Um, please go check them out. They are such great people. They did such great things for this show and this network. Uh, I wanted to get this in here. We're going to get one more commercial and we'll be right back to the delight show. What's going on, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose of the Kings of the Rings podcast. More importantly, I am your general manager here at WrestleAtic Radio. And if you like what you listen to each and every week on this podcast stream, I think you'll enjoy all the bonus content that we have on our Patreon page, where for just $5 a month, no tears, just one small payment of $5 a month, you get exclusive access to all of our bonus Patreon shows from everybody within the Wrestle Attic Radio Network. On top of that, you'll get exclusive access to us via a Patreon chat where you can talk about different ideas, different things you want to see in our shows, and potentially even be a guest on one of our shows. So that's something that you are interested in being a part of, a wrestling community that keeps wrestling real. Go to patreon.com backslash wrestleatic radio and click subscribe. Now enjoy the rest of the show. 
And we're back. Let's talk about Impact from the year 2006. The uh, primetime debut on Spike of Impact. This was a two-hour show, and I learned quickly during these two-hour shows that if I, re- if I review two-hour impacts on the gift of... Nah, this is not the gift podcast, idiot. Uh, on the Delight Show then I'm going to need an hour and a half show every week, and that's just unacceptable. So we're going to break this down into two halves. Um, half one, we'll cover up to the Christian Cage Rhino main event, and then we'll cover the second half next week, which leads up to Abyss versus Kurt Angle in his first TNA match. Um, but the show opens, and immediately we see Eric Young. He is running through the crowd. He's got a conga line, and he's got a bunch of Don't Fire Eric stuff. Now, if memory serves me, this issue of Don't Fire Eric was settled on Bound for Glory. And speaking of Bound for Glory, this Friday on the WrestleAct Radio Patreon, only four subscribers to the WrestleAct Radio, Radio Patreon, you can hear my full-length review of Bound for Glory 2006 on the very first PPV Delight Show. PPV Light Show. I'm still working on how to pronounce the title. But it's it's just it's me breaking down this segment by segment show, and holy hell, there was good. Oh, there's some really good, and there was some bad. There's some really bad. So definitely want to check that out. This month we'll be doing all out and possibly Genesis. Depends on exactly how generous I feel after watching uh, all these impacts to get the show preloaded. But um, every month I'll be doing at least one pay per view on the Patreon. Maybe I'll do more, but this month is uh, is bound for glory. Check that out. Uh, you won't miss it. you won't miss it. It's got some fun stuff on it. But EY is still trying not to get fired after his job has been guaranteed. That's weird. The intro video pops up. Uh, we come back and it's still Eric Young dancing with his "Don't Fire Eric" conga line. Did we really need two 15 second segments of this? Uh, he gets up on, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not there yet. They set off all the fireworks and release all the confetti in all of Florida into this impact zone. I mean, fireworks went off just pop, 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 for like 30 seconds. The whole room's filled with smoke and then they release confetti. You can't see a thing on standard definition television, which this was. So my, you know, even my upscales and it was still just like, oh, that is a room full of nothing. Um... Eventually, Ay uh, mounts the announcer that he has an announcement to make, and then he's cut off by the LAX music, which begins with gunshots, and Eric Young yells, Sniper! Sniper! Which, in 2006, probably wasn't that funny, but in 2020, after everything we've gone through with school shootings, public shootings, Las Vegas, uh, Charlottesville, the, the school in Florida, that's not funny! Holy shit, that's not funny! God, I mean, I don't know if it's funny then, but it's definitely not funny now. Uh, LAX comes out and they say they're going to burn an American flag. AMW runs out. They try to make the save for Old Glory. Uh, Gale takes out Homicide. Storm and Harris take out Hernandez. But they get away with the flag. They run to the back. Smojo hype video. Uh, makes I mean, makes Smojo look great. What I realized as they were doing these hype videos is they absolutely believe they had new viewers watching impact for the first time and they were going to sell all their people the best they could they did a decent job of it um Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal this was a squash match 
Uh, Joe jumps Jay at the bell while he's posing. Jay Lethal gets 30 seconds offense, a few kicks, a few strikes. But then Joe cuts him off, hits the muscle buster, uh, and locks in the Kikina clutch, taps him out in two minutes. Made Joe look like a killer. Way to go. Not bad. Sanjay Dump, Dutt, not Sanjay Dump, excuse me. Sanjay Dutt attempts to save Samoa Joe. Uh, Joe kills Sanjay immediately, just dead. Saban runs down, gets on the apron, looks at Samoa Joe, big killing machine, and decides, nah, not for me. He hops down, he walks away. Jerry Lynn's pissed. Like, get in there and save them. And he's like, nah, bro, that's Samoa Joe. Uh, and, and he has a point. So Samoa Joe looks like a killer. He killed two dudes. He scared one guy enough he wouldn't even bother saving his friends. Joe gets a mic. He calls out Kurt Angle. Um, does not get Kurt Angle at this time. Christy. Runs after LAX backstage, says, where are you going? He's like, stop being a patriot, be a reporter, follow us. Hey, you. And they point across the lot, and there's Petey Williams, who last week they invited to attend the uh, the flag burning. And said, hey, come with us, we'll burn this flag. And Petey says, yeah, okay, that sounds like fun. And away they go. Okay, I wish I could do both the segments this week. Um, and honestly, let's just talk about the whole thing right now. Alex Shelley and Austin Starr are having a piss. They're standing at the urinals and they're peeing. Okay? That is what happened. Uh, Nash peeks his big pumpkin head up over the side of the stall and says, Hey, what y'all doing? Now, they were arguing about uh, about Shelley costing uh, Starr the match last week. But um, so they decided that they're going to have wrestlers court there in the bathroom. Yeah, let's just do all the wrestlers court segments right now. Because who cares? Um, they come back. Both guys are arguing their case. Nash is trying to poop because he never actually left his stall. That's funny. Poop's funny, right? Um, wrestler's Court, the finale. Uh, there, uh, Nash says that he is a hung judge. Haha, penis. Uh, and then Shelley, uh, he declares that Shelly owes Austin Star $100. And then he walks out of the out of the bathroom. He's wearing a judge's robe backwards. He's not wearing anything underneath. And I have to write the words in my notes, Kevin Nash's ass, which is not a great thing to write, but could be a good name for a band. And I wrote that in my, my constant list of band names. Okay, we're not talking about that anymore next week. We've already covered all of, of Wrestler's Court. Jeremy Borish is with Team 3D. Uh, Bully says the Naturals are now men, but tonight they're going to die because they've picked a table fight with not the Dudleys. But, you know, uh, tables match. The Naturals with Shane Douglas with uh, versus Team 3D. They brawl on the floor. They brawl on the crowd. They bring uh, they bring the dark-haired Natural back to the ring. They hit the was up on him. They do to get the tables. They bring the tables in. They're about to put the dark-haired natural through the table, but Shane Douglas runs in. He throws the guy out of the way. They said, all right, that's fine. They give Shane Douglas a 3D through the table. Now, Shane Douglas is not one of the naturals and therefore cannot lose this match for the naturals. So while the Dudleys are taking care of Shane Douglas, uh, the blonde natural returns. He attacks Devon from behind, lays him out. They double-team bully and they uh, toss him. They give Bully Ray a 3D and leave him laying. Then they double power bomb 
Devon through the table, and the Naturals have beaten the Dudley Boys in a table match. And they're playing up on commentary. This is the first time the Dudleys have ever lost table match. And I guarantee that's not true, but I, I was so confident I didn't bother to look. Um, but I guarantee there's some time in that 2000-2001 era where Edge and Christian or the Hardys put the Dudleys through a table, and they lost the table match. Um, this all happened in three and a half minutes. It took me almost longer than that to describe it to you. As soon as the Naturals won, instead of letting it sink in that the Naturals have won, have beaten the Dudleys at their own game and become these huge players in the, in the sport, no, they immediately go to a commercial and, uh, and what's the last we ever see of them. So good job. You made them, you didn't make them look like they are worth anything. You didn't make Abyss look good with an Abyss hype package. More. Okay. Follow me here. Cause this is this is a lot's gonna happen in a short amount of time. So focus up. Stay with me. More of the Eric Young conga line. He comes on the ring. He has an announcement. He is cut off by Kaz and Maverick Matt and Divine showing up with Kendo sticks. So then they get in the ring. Uh and they beat up Eric Young. They leave him laying and dead in the ring. They said they have a new leader. Their new leader has shown them their purpose, and they are going to be better than ever. I'm pretty sure their leader is Raven. I'm pretty sure. So it's a new Raven's flock. Good job, guys. But the lights go out, and it pops up on the screen, Voodoo Kin Mafia. And I was like, what? The Voodoo Kin Mafia were the New Age Outlaws. They had these guys as, as dorks? No. No, they didn't. They ran out and they killed all three goth kids, left them laying. These two 45-year-old dudes killed three guys in their 20s who had weapons. They just came out and killed them because they're so damn good. They're so good. They get on uh, They get on the mic. They said uh, they're here for one purpose and one purpose alone, and that is creative control. What does that mean, BG James? You want creative control, so you killed three young wrestlers and interrupted the show that you quit two weeks ago. It gets worse. They declare war on Paul Levesque, Michael Hickenbottom, and Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Oh my God, Vince Russo's fingerprints are everywhere in this segment. Vince Russo loved doing this kind of thing in WCW, and it worked because WCW's thriving today. Wait, wait. No, no, it didn't. It killed the company. It made BG and Kip look like jerks and dorks. And considering that they both ended up in back in the WWE within the next couple of years, it really made them look bad. But they call out Paul and Mike, uh, Paul Levesque, Michael Higginbottom, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, um, because they say that they're the ones who made DX what it is. They get the crowd to shout, DX sucks, DX sucks, like... God, have they calling out DX five, six years after it ended? But I realized at the time that, no, this matches up with the DX revival in WWE. And it made me think, why the hell am I not watching that? I'm going to watch that next. Um, they claim they're going to take the, the, they're going to take the war directly to VKM's door. And it's going to be VKM versus VKM. No. No, no, it's no, I'm okay. God, this was some bad writing. And I'm pretty sure that these idiots invaded a, 
WWE house show by buying tickets and sitting in the stands until they got tossed out. They really, really tried to do something here. This was never, you know, this of course wasn't cleared with WWE. This was never going to end with the Outlaws versus DX or VK versus DX. I don't know what they were trying here. It did not work, and it's really cringy 15 years later. JB's backstage with Rhino. Rhino says he's going to make Christian hurt for what for everything he's done to him. And, of course, gore, gore, gore. And then we get to the part one main event. I have a lot of notes on this match. Um, the barbed wire cage match can be won by escape only. And these guys have weapons and things to escape with that they won last week in the Vince Russo special four pole match. Christian Cage has access to a chair and cutters. Cutters? Wire cutters. Like he, so he can do cutters. No, he has wire cutters to cut the barbed wire at the top of the cage. Rhino has a straight jacket and a key to the door. My question remains, can Christian use the key? Can Rhino use a chair? We'll get there. The weapons are not in the ring to start the match. So they lock the doors, they close, they close it off, and... It begins, and the first thing Mike today says is, the doctors haven't cleared Rhino for this match. Oh my god, this is November of 2006. In seven months, in seven months, concussions are not storyline anymore. Concussions are not, oh, well, he's not cleared to wrestle, but he's here anyway. That makes DNA look really bad, dude. That they would let a concussed man into a barbed wire cage match with chairs and, and crap like that. So, yeah. Well done. Ugh. Ah. Also, this is a blood feud. Christian has tried to end Rhino's career over and over. Last week, he claimed he was going to bang Rhino's wife. He's He has done everything he can to make him miserable. So how do they start this match? Chain wrestling. Lockups. Hip tosses. Uh, roll-ups. They try to have a wrestling match. This is a blood feud. Kill Christian. Kill him dead. So, Cage goes over to a hole in the... Uh, Christian Cage goes over to a hole in the cage and says, Hey, give me my chairs. And they, they try to give him the chairs. Rhino knocks him down and says, Give me the chairs. And the ref goes, Nope, can't give you the chairs, Mr. Rhino. Uh, so, Rhino's not allowed to use the chairs. Good. It's good to know. Uh, cage tries to climb up out of the cage, but forgets it's a barbed wire cage. So, he gets up there and he looks like an idiot because he can't get out. The, uh, they go back to wrestling and the wrestling is boring because, Hey, you should be killing each other or you should be... But no, it's just boring. Rhino calls for the key. He shakes it in Christian's face. They look, I got a key. And Christian can't... Then he throws the key out of the ring. He's like, you idiot. You, you're not allowed to use the barbed wire cutters. How are you going to get out of the cage? Apparently, he decides he's going to live there now. They go to commercial. They come back from commercial. And Cage is bleeding like a stuck pig. I mean, just Eddie Guerrero crimson mask amount of blood and he's trying to cut the barbed wire down so he's got the barbed wire cutters and and rhino's just grinding his face in the barbed wire it would have been great to see some of that on tv but no 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 we didn't get any of that um hey there motorcycle uh where were we uh chris uh cage gets pressed face first in the barbed wire and tossed down to the top rhino goes to the outside he calls for his straight jacket he goes put on Cage, Cage gets away, try, tries to climb out, and then hits Rhino with an unprettier from the top rope. Christian Cage 
puts the straitjacket on Rhino. So Christian Cage is apparently allowed to use the straitjacket. He uses the ties and he ties Rhino to the ropes. He goes and gets his chairs. I would have just climbed out at this point and got out of there. But no, he gets his chairs. Um, he, he's about to hit Rhino straight in the head with the chairs. Rhino breaks the straitjacket. What a crappy straitjacket. And kicks him right in the balls. He now takes the chairs. He's going for a concerto, but Christian Cage dodges. Uh, but Rhino lifts him up and drops him rib first on a set of chair. Jesus, that hurt more than anything else in this match to me. Uh, he gets Rhino set up, or he gets Christian set up against the cage door. He gores him, but he gores him so hard the cage door breaks. Right, uh, Christian tumbles to the floor and wins the match. Christian Cage is your winner, just like Stone Cold Steve Austin was your winner at Valentine's Day Massacre 2002. 1999. 1999. So, well done, Christian and Rhino. You went 16 minutes. You put on a somewhat entertaining but mostly boring match. That's the end of part one. Part two, I have more yelling to do. Um, next week, I present my plan of how to fix AEW. We'll talk about AEW Dynamite on Thursday this week, not on uh, on Wednesday. And is all out next weekend? All Out is not next weekend. All Out will come the next. Uh, will be on the Patreon the next weekend. Thank you so much for for staying with me as I've yelled and screamed about Impact and AW. Uh, be sure to check out check out my Twitter at addict. Nope, at mn underscore delight. Check out the wrestling radio Twitter at addict underscore wrestle. Check us out on Instagram. Check out our Patreon patreon.com slash wrestling radio where you will find the PPV Light show this uh, Friday morning. You want to make sure you check out our Teespring store. We got great stuff there. Teespring.com backslash store backslash wrestle hyphen attic hyphen radio. Check out the Rant Foundation first episode this week. And I will see you next week. Have a good week, guys.